Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for listening. And I want to say thanks to any new or first-time listeners out there. I'm happy you decided to tune in. So whether you're a seasoned tango dancer or a novice who just started, you have come to the right place. When it comes to tango dancing, I know we pick up a lot from taking classes, workshops, and private lessons, but there's another valuable learning resource that's often overlooked, and that's the personal anecdotes and insights of the teachers who guide us. And the purpose of the interviews on this podcast is to help fill that gap and to provide you some more learning tools as you progress on your own tango adventures. As you know, I love getting feedback from listeners, so if you ever want to get in touch, feel free to email me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. My guest today is one of Seattle's most experienced dance instructors. She's been teaching full-time there for over 20 years and was one of the first tango teachers to be established in the area. In addition to Argentine tango, she also specializes in salsa and West Coast swing. She's well-versed not only with social dancing, but also with performance and choreography. And with me now from Seattle is Michelle Badian. Michelle, thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. So just to jump into things, Michelle, can you describe the moment or the moments when you knew you wanted Tango to be a big part of your life? Uh, yes, it was in uh, 1991 mm-hmm. when I was already teaching ballroom dance at a big ballroom dance studio mm-hmm. and Forever Tango came to town and the performers of Forever Tango performed and taught workshops at our ballroom studio mm. and I was sold. I went to every single one of their workshops that weekend that were held in many different locations wow. and was super excited but there was only one teacher teaching tango in Seattle and he was not the right teacher for me. Mm-hmm. So I ended up flying down to San Francisco. I live in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Flying down to San Francisco and taking uh, lessons from the cast of Forever Tango whenever wow. I could. <laughs> and well, I had family down there that helped. Nice. So. Wow. So you've had you know, this extensive dance background, but what was it about Argentine tango specifically that really grabbed you? I think the connection, the connection to the music, the connection to your partner, mm-hmm. there is connection in ballroom dancing. Right. That was what I was kind of looking for and why I started with ballroom dancing because mm-hmm. I wanted that connection, but it's not nearly as deep or profound as the connection in tango mm-hmm. because ballroom dancing is much more pre-organized, you know, mm. the box step, everything you're going to do. Right. So it isn't this pure lead and follow, so it doesn't lead to the peer intense connections yeah. that Argentine tango can have. I see. So can you describe your very first dance at a milonga? What was that like? That was pretty awesome because actually <laughs> one of the teachers asked me to dance. Oh, nice. Because I'd been because I'd been doing, you know, all those classes. Mm. Going to classes is a great way to uh, get to know lots of people, but it's also, you know, if you want to dance with the best dancers, I think you find the best dancers in classes usually. Mm-hmm. And it was just lucky for me. It was with uh, uh, the teacher. So that was pretty amazing. Yeah. If I wasn't sold before, I was sold then. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So what's some really good or memorable advice you've gotten from some of your teachers as you were learning tango? Ah. Yeah, it's probably not just one thing. You're probably amalgamation of, of several things you've heard, I'm sure. I've gotten so much 
good advice mm -hmm. from so it's oh man that's a hard <laughs> question time. maybe we time. could come maybe we could come back to that question sure no problem no yeah problem. okay so kind of go sticking along with your own experiences how did you start teaching can you describe that journey well I was already teaching ballroom dance okay. so so I already had a lot of teaching experience mm -hmm. um, so and I was also teaching salsa and West Coast swing which are considered the same you know kind of genre there okay. anyway so I was teaching dance and like I said it seemed like there were people interested in learning Argentine tango in Seattle mm -hmm. and at the time there was just one teacher mm -hmm. and uh, he was a nice guy and a good mm -hmm. teacher but I wanted to teach a little different style mm -hmm. and and I was already teaching with the University of Washington Experimental College mm -hmm. so the first thing I did was apply to teach Argentine tango nice. with the University of Washington oh. and got accepted because I was already teaching other classes with them okay it's easy once you're once you're in the loop right yeah, once you're yeah. teaching some classes to teach others mm -hmm. so um, I started teaching tango I think that would have been 1990 maybe okay 90 no no it would have been later than that 90 94 95 okay even though I was already teaching these other dances mm -hmm. I didn't just take lessons for like one month and think oh yeah now I can teach this mm -hmm. you know it took it took a lot of work to get to the point where I felt confident enough to do both the lead and the follow and to right. really teach the class yeah and I started teaching by myself I, I didn't have a partner with me wow for teaching so you know, so I really wanted to be prepared. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. sometimes nowadays you hear of people who've danced tango for like a year or something. And they're like, yeah, now I'm a teacher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yep. And yep. you know what? They'll, they'll be all right. And if they're mm -hmm. enthusiastic and they love the dance, it'll be fine. Yeah. But it, it took me a lot more work. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of, of students, uh, I want to kind of talk a little bit about peer learning. So what are some good ways, in your opinion, Michelle, for advanced students to help beginner students? Well, one way is just to come to the more beginner classes, which mm -hmm. are really, really good. Yeah. For it's, it's really important that advanced students know how mm -hmm. to dance with beginner students. And that's one of the big things that I teach. And I am so proud of my more advanced students. <laughs> my beginner classes have about four beginners and about 12 advanced students. Nice. They, yes. And the beginners love it and they mm -hmm. stick to the dance because they're getting all this good experience, you know. They're they're getting to dance with all these nice dancers who who can give them the right feeling. Mhm. Mm and this is for the men and the women. Yeah. And for leads and follows. Mm -hmm. You know, the people are having a f even if you I just had a few and actually, I'm not advanced. I have a, one or two advanced students that do mm -hmm. the both thing. And then the, the other bulk of the, my beginning classes are kind of my intermediate or even beginning intermediate that are just kind of moving up. Mm -hmm. And something I tell everybody, and I think is so true, mm -hmm. there is almost no substitute for just time on the floor. Yeah. Whether it's time in a class doing the same movements over and over, time at a milonga, time just watching. If you mm -hmm. go to a milonga and you don't dance, that's still that time element. Yeah. And you you have to have that time element. So mm -hmm. for more advanced dancers to show up to the beginning class, they know that they're getting a chance to really work on how do you lead walking to the cross? How do you lead ochos? How do you mm -hmm. lead all these things 
in the most effective way, even to dancers who are newer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, I think a lot of other interviewees have said the same thing about advanced dancers coming back to those beginner lessons. I mean, everybody wins. You got yeah. You, you help the beginners, and they help fortify their technique, or perhaps they pick up things they missed the first time around. So, yeah, yeah. So to all you listeners out there. You know, if you had some experience, take those beginner classes again. It can only help. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, if you're a more experienced dancer, mm -hmm. uh, you could talk to your local teacher, a teacher you really like, and say, hey, I'd like to come take the class. Can I do it for a discount or can I do it, you know, yeah. as, as your assistant? Do you need help? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you feel like, oh, I don't want to go pay for that beginning class again, right. just talk to your teachers. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy to work out anything with somebody who wants to uh, take my more beginning classes yeah absolutely yeah so sticking with with beginners michelle uh, a lot of novices and it's great when they get hooked it's great when they start coming to classes they get past those first few lessons and, and they're in but when they start coming to malangas they get a little nervous and they have sometimes these negative thoughts running through their heads like oh i'm afraid of messing up i'm afraid of not having a good dance i'm afraid my partner's not gonna like me how do you address those those concerns? Well, for one thing, uh, I do a lot of outings with my students, mm -hmm. and I do things like uh, during the class we practice cabaseo, mm -hmm. during the class, and uh, sometimes during the class we we practice uh, complimenting each other. At the end of this song, oh. say something genuinely nice about the person you dance with. Oh, if you okay. want to get well, because if you want to get the most dances at any dance, and I mm -hmm. teach this all the time, <laughs> some of it. A good deal of it is going to be your skill set. If you're a very skilled dancer, mm -hmm. yeah, you will get the more skilled leads or follows wanting to dance with you. But yeah. some of it is your attitude. Mm. And if you're if you're kind and you're nice and you're like, wow, that was wonderful, people are going to remember that and they're also going to want to dance with you. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Something genuinely positive about the. It has to be genuine. People know if you're lying. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's gotta be about the dance. It just can't say uh nice shoes. <laughs> no, no, it could be nice shoes. Oh, okay. Really, yeah. if you can't right. think of something to say about the dance, you could say, Wow, I love your shoes, you know, or or you could okay. you could you yeah, because that's another thing. Mm -hmm. Is for the women a little bit more than the men, but the the men wanna look nice mm -hmm. is is just knowing that you've you've dressed appropriately. That that you know <laughs> Yes. A, a lot of uh, people today mm -hmm. in their workplace, they don't have to put on high heel shoes and this kind of dressing up thing. So it's kind of a new thing, mm. even for uh, professional people who've been dressing professionally for a long time, to get a, a little like, wow, you look great today. It's like, okay. oh, good. I don't usually wear anything like this. I, I man, I compliment a lot of people because mm -hmm. I like to give compliments. And I often hear from the ladies, Oh, thank you. I, I was really worried to wear this. I don't usually dress like this. I'm not, you know, this is a little out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So, Michelle, over the years, what are some things you've learned from your own students? Oh, man. One of the things that I wrote a blog about recently mm -hmm. that I have learned from my own students, and I think it's an important thing, is that there are many, 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 many ways to love dancing Argentine tango. Mm. And it's important for us as teachers to recognize mm -hmm. um, all those different ways and, and support them and, and encourage them. Uh, for instance, I have two people, students of mine, 
who love to do the Argentine tango competition mm. and performance. And they practice lifts and, oh, such complicated, difficult things, and they practice all the time. Mm -hmm. They are dedicated practicers. They're each married to somebody different, not their tango partner. Mm -hmm. For the person who took up tango to be romantic, <laughs> they're like, how can you spend hours practicing with that guy? He's not even your husband. Isn't your husband upset? And why do you practice and practice? Why don't you just go social dancing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what excites them. Mm -hmm. What excites them is the physical challenge of the dance. Mm -hmm. So someone who's learning tango because of the physical challenge mm -hmm. is not going to be the person who shows up once a month to a malanga and doesn't take any classes and just mm -hmm. wants to walk and reconnect. And that's a good person too. Mm -hmm. That's a person who's, who's dancing for the connection to other people. That's mm -hmm. fabulous. And then there are people who learn to dance because they want that social connection. The mm -hmm. social organizers, they're having parties, they bring everybody to the milonga. There's lots of mm -hmm. ways yeah. that people are going to love dancing tango. Yeah. Some people like it just for the, um, the fantasy part, the escapism, yeah. which is pretty cool about the dance. Mm -hmm. So whether you're dancing for social stuff or for a physical challenge mm -hmm. or intellectual challenge, because tango will certainly give you that, all these things are valid and it's important for the teacher to understand that and to help other students sort of be supportive and understand when they're like, oh, so-and-so doesn't take any lessons. They do. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's okay that so, it, you know, that because so-and-so isn't dancing to be the best dancer. Mm -hmm. So-and-so is dancing just to show up and be part of the group. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a good thing to learn is mm -hmm. that there's lots of ways to love this dance. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're all valid and they're all good. Yeah, so Michelle, uh, one, one reason I wanted to, to get a hold of you is because you were one of the first teachers to be established in the Seattle tango scene because you started so early, you know, before tango kind of exploded yeah. in the U.S. So just out of curiosity, in the Seattle area, what, what trends have you noticed in terms of the evolution of, of the tango scene? Well, you know, I think it, probably the same trends all over the place. Okay. Um, it started with uh, probably a little more showy tango because almost everybody was teaching tango that they had learned from the traveling instructors or from the Forever Tango mm. team, mm -hmm. right? So I would call that more salon and, and, and perhaps more open. Okay. Then, of course, everybody eventually goes to Argentina and boom, you got to <laughs> dance Close Embrace. Mm. And so Close Embrace became a real obsession of mine. I love teaching the Close Embrace mm -hmm. and that was really important. But then in that same time, uh, Nuevo, mm -hmm. or more open stuff, also kind of caught on. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems now that we have more people in Seattle that dance close embrace, oh. but there's still a large group of people that really enjoy the more open embrace. Mm -hmm. And it seems in Seattle, everybody's become perhaps more accepting of everybody else. Okay. It, it used to be that there were dances kind of more segregated. Mm -hmm. A close embrace or an open embrace. Mm -hmm. And we still have some of those. Okay. But we still have a lot of dances or practicas mm -hmm. where you can find people doing all different kinds of embraces and it's all good. Same thing with trends of music. Obviously, right at the beginning, before anybody had even gotten to go to Argentina, mm -hmm. we didn't even know about cortinas and tandas and mm -hmm. such. But as soon as like one person goes to Argentina, they bring <laughs> these things back. Mm -hmm. And uh, our DJing nowadays is pretty pretty consistent with DJing all over the world. I've danced 
in about 20 other countries and nice. and and not not necessarily at festivals just social dancing mm -hmm. and surprisingly the how similar the music is yeah yeah that's absolutely right there's always a sense of familiarity when you're going to a malanga somewhere else yeah yeah just just to kind of go along with your your international travels got a question about about teaching students internationally do you find that perhaps the culture that they come from in a different country has an impact on the way they dance tango yes yes it must but <laughs> In, in all dancing, for instance, salsa or West Coast swing, mm -hmm. there are people from other countries who dance those dances just as good as people from here or Latin countries or whatever. And mm -hmm. for instance, one of my first trips to Argentina with my husband, who's mm -hmm. a, a relatively newer dancer, mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to go dance with this guy over here. He keeps looking at me and I can tell he's a good dancer. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're on your own. See if you could get someone to dance with you. You know, mm -hmm. the, he knew Cabaseo, he knew stuff, but he had never danced in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And he Cabaseo'd a woman and he's trying to speak Spanish to her. And then mm -hmm. she's like, no, no, I'm from Germany. Could you just speak English? <laughs> Uh, and you know he pointed her out and she was a lovely lovely dancer and there mm. would be no way mm -hmm. that he could look out in the crowd of people and go oh yeah that's a foreigner for sure ah. and I challenge you to go to Buenos Aires to mm. like canning where there's a lot of foreigners and pick out who's the foreigner and who's the Argentine yeah. I, I feel like the people who really get obsessive about this dance mm -hmm. dance it in a very authentic way Mm. And part of Argentine tango is to have your own personality yeah. and to dance with your own style. Mm -hmm. And so some of the Argentines dance <laughs> in a much more flamboyant or crazier way. You know what I mean? It's hard, it, it's, it's hard to say anything is wrong with tango. Mm. It's, it's your own style, your own way of doing it. Yeah, I think that that's right because uh, I was traveling recently and... I was at a Malanga in Germany, and yeah, there was a very there's a sense of familiarity there. I felt like I almost knew these people already. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the best things. My husband and I, no matter where we go, mm -hmm. we we spend some time on the internet before we get there. Mm -hmm. And of course, big advice to people traveling: always try to call whoever is uh, listed or the promoter of things because things change. Yeah. Email schedules change. Everything changes, and. There's nothing more disappointing than taking a half-hour taxi drive to find out that there is no dance there anymore. <laughs> but there is one, like, right next to your hotel. Right. Has that happened to you? No, that has not happened. But, okay. but I, could, I could totally see that happening, couldn't yeah. you? I, I'm sure yeah. it must have happened to somebody out there listening. So. Okay, Michelle, I want to, to move on. I have a more of a teacher question for you. So what is, okay. what's your particular strategy in introducing musicality to, to tango novices? Oh, I do that starting day number one. Yeah. Yeah. Day number one, I, I introduced breaks, pausing, mm -hmm. and pausing, listening to the music, and then trying to start where you feel the beginning of the phrase or the beginning of the music is. So right mm -hmm. there, stopping your dancing and listening to the music and starting with the dancing, that's mm -hmm. musicality. That's a good start. Mm -hmm. um, I also teach within the first week or two some kind of a rock step or a check step or a quick quick step mm -hmm. something to introduce how to relate to the faster or more rhythmic not mm -hmm. faster but more rhythmic mm -hmm. parts of the music that you might want to dance to mm -hmm. but all the time the pauses I think the pauses for newer dancers is where they can listen to the music and start really connecting to the music mm -hmm. and of course you know like most all teachers 
I start with some walking exercises, mm -hmm. and and those are one step per beat, one step per two beats, and also quick, quick steps, things like that. But those all relate more to just the rhythm of the mm, music. You want people listening to the whole thing of the music, not just the rhythm, mm. but the melodies and the, the slow parts and the fast parts and how to dance to them. And it's important that you don't try to dance fast to the fast parts. That's the <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of ways to connect to each part of the music mm -hmm. that, that will work out. Yeah. So Michelle, so you've had years of experience. How do you keep challenging yourself to improve your, your tango? Man, well, for one thing, I still take classes, mm. quite a few. For another thing, I, I bring people to teach, and I take those workshops and those classes. Those are the ones I primarily take, mm -hmm. but it's always a challenge. I was leading in one recently, and, mm -hmm. and I was very happy because I thought I was just nailing it. Nice. And, mm -hmm. and the instructor looks over and goes, oh, yes, you could do it like that. That's one way to do it. It's not what I'm teaching. I was like, Ooh. what? <laughs> oh, my class thought that was hilarious. Mm. They thought that was so much fun mm -hmm. that I got schooled right there. Yeah. But as soon as he showed me the difference, I was like, oh, oh, well, mm -hmm. I'm going to do that now. Okay. And, you know, it's real interesting learning because you always want to put things into kind of the context of what you already know. Mm-hmm. Right and right. and uh, and so it, it really makes you makes you grow makes you stretch. Mm -hmm. I also um, do a little bit of performing once a year with Eduardo Cicero, mm -hmm. and he's amazing and he mm -hmm. makes me grow like crazy because he doesn't he doesn't seem to know that I'm 60 years old. Mm -hmm. He's like you know we could do this we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> really he goes see see come on I show you. And and he's right. right. I can do a lot more than mm -hmm. than I think. And uh, he he knows how to push me just exactly right in mm -hmm. a loving and friendly way. And uh, he seems to have a good understanding of what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way that I mm -hmm. that I grow every year. I, I spend about a week being really really sore and then mm -hmm. being really really happy. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and that's that's the great thing about tango. I mean, there's no there's no age limit. You know, unlike other activities like you know, say like football or something, you can't do that when when you're past forty. But in tango, you you can just get started in your forties and you can be on your way. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's perfect for mm. it's perfect for everybody, but I think it's especially perfect for people over fifty. Mm -hmm. So, just kind of sticking with performances, Michelle, what was your very first performance like? Super fun. Mm. Like I said, I'd already been teaching ballroom mm. dancing and, and performing. It wasn't as scary for me as okay. somebody who had never done any kind of performing, right? Mm. So, man, I did a lot of performances. One of the first ones I have on videotape was me performing with Fabian Salas when okay. he was teaching here in Seattle. Nice. And he was teaching without a partner, so mm -hmm. of course when he had to do the demo, he got to do it with me, yay! Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was pretty excited, mm -hmm. but we had not really rehearsed oh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I recently just watched the video and I was like, wow, that's not terrible at all. <laughs> like, that was crazy. Mm. I, look, I look kind of green in the video because mm. I was, but Fabian's killing it and, mm. and we did a waltz, a milonga and a in a tango, of course. Yeah, <laughs> next time Fabian comes to visit, I'll show him the video and see if he'll 
if you'll let me put that up somewhere. Okay. But it's important, like you don't want to just put stuff out there right. without the permission of the artist. Yeah, so sticking along with, with, with performances, Michelle, so if there are students interested in learning how to perform or if you're organizing some kind of a performance, what, what are the differences that we have to keep in mind when it comes to performing versus dancing socially? I teach a performance class mm -hmm. and in my class, I, and I totally believe this, mm -hmm. it is much more important when you're performing how you do something mm -hmm. versus what you do. Okay. And people kind of flip that. They think, oh, I want to be performance, so I have to know how to do millions of ganchos or lifts or this or that. Mm -hmm. You can do a beautiful, beautiful performance of fairly simple steps if you do each one with beautiful technique mm -hmm. and connection to the music and connection to your partner. You don't need to do all the fanciest thing mm -hmm. to do a really nice performance or a really nice demo. Mm. And so that's kind of where we start in the performance class. Okay. One of my first exercises is I put on like Desarly, something mm -hmm. very easy, and say, uh, you know, you're going to get to perform in front of the class for like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, very short. Mm -hmm. We just go couple to couple, couple. And, and I said, and, and this is the step you have to do. Walk to the cross, two ochos, or something like that. Okay. Super easy. Mm -hmm. Like nothing difficult. But they have to learn to sell that. How, how are you going to make that look like a performance? Mm. And, and I think it's a, a big eye-opener mm -hmm. um, because it's actually quite enjoyable to watch somebody do that with good technique. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful, or, or something. You know, I just made something up. But, okay. but it, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful dance. And yeah. It's a beautiful dance to watch, and you don't need all that super, super crazy stuff. It may be a little crazy stuff. I always mm -hmm. teach some lifts and some other things in the mm -hmm. performance class, mm -hmm. but the technique is the most important thing, mm -hmm. so, how you do something. Yeah, so for instance, let's say during a walk or during a cross, in order for the audience around to see it, do you have to make that somewhat bigger or... Not necessarily. Okay. You have to make it right for your body, mm. but you have to uh, you have to utilize all the joints in your foot. You can't use your foot like a big stub, right? <laughs> yeah. If you, well, I'm thinking back to my answers. own days. That's what it made me think of. My, my own. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So yeah. you utilize every joint in your foot. You have the beautiful, beautiful posture. You utilize uh, the bending and straightening of your knees to mm. you know really emphasize your movement. And whether you move big or small, that's a lot of it depends on your age and your athletic ability and, mm -hmm. and what you can do. But you could still do a beautiful performance mm -hmm. if you put in really great technique. Yeah, okay. And you know when you watch mm -hmm. people come, you know the people, oh, look at her feet. Oh, she has amazing feet. You hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. You hear from, from the, look at his precision. Mm -hmm. Look how he collects. Look how he brings his feet together there. These are the comments that you often hear when people perform. And, and even though they might get some cheers if they do, you know, a dozen ganchos, mm -hmm. that's not for, especially if you're performing in front of tango people, mm -hmm. that's not what the tango people are looking for. Mm -hmm. They're looking for the, the, the beautiful walking and the musicality mm -hmm. and the gorgeous feet and those little extra flares that the professional dancers can always you know, they can make anything look fabulous. Nice. Yeah, one of my other first performances mm -hmm. was with uh, Carlos Gavito. Mm. And he used to come to town and teach by himself. And so I would teach with him because I was bringing him. Nice. So, of course, I had the great honor of 
getting to do demos and performances with him. And wow. again, there was no practice time. There was no, mm -hmm. you know, let's rehearse this. It was just lead and follow. Mm -hmm. And uh, lately, I'm, my husband and I are working on a project mm -hmm. of trying to put together a timeline for the history of tango. So I've been looking at all these old videos. Oh. And again, I did not hate the one of, of uh, me performing with Carlos Gavito, and I might put a little snippet of that out. I don't think he would mind. I think he would be proud to have been one of the first people mm -hmm. to help get tango started here in Seattle. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, so Michelle, with this dance, with tango, there's always something new to learn. So even though you've had tons of experience doing this for many years, is there something new that you've learned recently? Maybe not necessarily a new step, but maybe a new concept or a new philosophy? Boy, I learn new things all the time. <laughs> and, and I have learned some new steps, even really kind okay. of simple steps, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, I had a teacher come to town recently who was taught you know, a lot of things, kind of you know, good regular basic things, but he taught us in the beginner class. Mm -hmm. he, taught, he taught the simplest, simplest, simplest Molinete I've ever seen. Mm. And I just thought, that is so cool. I'm stealing it. That's <laughs> mine now because mm -hmm. that is brilliant mm -hmm. that he got total beginners doing a lovely Molinete. I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we need we need stuff like that, man. Yeah. So we get it. So, so yeah, there's always always stuff to learn. Every single teacher mm -hmm. that I take classes from that comes to town, I pick something up, mm -hmm. whether it's a step or whether it's something in the technique. Well, and sometimes a lot of times because I've been doing this such a long time, it's just a reminder of something I forgot. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, I gotta start telling my students that some more. Uh, I used to say that every class. Now mm -hmm. I need to start saying that again. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. As a teacher, you kind of go through phases too, right. you know? Right. Yeah. So back to that question. I don't know if you've had time to kind of think about it or if it's jogged uh, your memories about the memorable advice from some of your previous teachers. Well, Gavito had a big influence on okay. me. But I... And everything he said, he said with so much elegance. And I can't really... Mm -hmm. uh. So he used to say wonderful things, like you can uh, turn off the car, but don't stop the engine, ah. you know, mm -hmm. about pausing. Mm -hmm. uh, but one time I was trying to make a bunch of notes about his class. Mm -hmm. And and he was, you know, he's like, see, see, you could make a note, say, no, I'll help you, whatever. Mm -hmm. He didn't mind that. But, but then he said, you know... It's not about remembering what I taught. Mm. It's about the experience of being here in the class. Oh. And I think that is kind of a kind of an important message that I always kind of try to also say to my students who are like, I can't remember what you taught last week. I'm like, it's okay. I remember. Mm. We'll review it. <laughs> I remember because I write it down. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to remember everything. Yeah. Um, I take I I still take notes and write down what I teach. Mm -hmm. Each week, if I, and because it's hard to keep track of everything. Yeah, yeah. But but it's okay that the class does it. It's just fine. And mm -hmm. I tell my students, you don't have to do homework. You don't have to write stuff down. You don't even have to practice for the first few months. All you have to do is show up. Mm -hmm. Show up every week. I will teach you how to dance. All right. Just show up. That's yeah. it. Good. And and people want to make it much harder. Mm -hmm. they, <laughs> Yeah. They're like, oh, you know, I got to go on the internet. Oh, I 
got to go listen to the podcast. I got to <laughs> do this. I got to do that. You know, and all those things are good, and they mm-hmm. will definitely, you know, uh, help your dancing. But mm-hmm. really, truly, in the beginning, all you got to do, pick a teacher, hopefully a teacher you like, mm-hmm. and show up. Yeah. All right, Michelle, this has been a lot of fun. So where do we find out more about you online? Ah, michellebadion.com. Michellebadion.com. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, mm-hmm. B is in boy, A, D is in dog, I-O-N.com. Okay, and I'll have that in our show notes so people will be able to find you really easily. Awesome. All right, Michelle. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy, but it's it's great that um yeah, I was able to get a hold of you, and that I'm sure the listening audience will appreciate your thoughts. Cool. Call again anytime. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye bye. Okay. It was a lot of fun talking to Michelle, and she said several things that really stuck out in my mind. I like how she mentioned that there's no substitute for time on the dance floor and how helping beginner classes is a really good move. I know we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but helping out the newbies is a big win for everyone. It's not just a nice favor for your teacher or community, it does a lot to help move your own dancing forward. Reinforcing your basics is always a plus. And I also thought that it was neat how Michelle encourages her students to give genuine compliments to each other at the end of a song. That's a nice habit to get into, and she's right that having a positive attitude and showing gratitude goes a long way. People always appreciate a nice personality, and on top of that, it's a good way to get more dances. Michelle also mentioned that we ought to be comfortable with the reasons why we enjoy tango. Some of us are hardcore and go to as many classes and festivals as we can, and some of us are more laid back. Some of us enjoy the social aspect, and there's no need to compare ourselves to other people in our community. You have your reasons for enjoying tango, stick with them. And even if they change with this dance, there's something for everyone. And I really liked what Michelle said about performing, that how you do a step is more important than what the step actually is. We often get this backwards. And I think this can be applicable to social dancing as well. It's a specific and useful way of working on our technique, and it goes hand in hand with the keep it simple advice that teachers give when it comes to dancing socially. So even if we're just walking, it's important to be mindful of how we're walking. Are we remembering to articulate our feet? Are we remembering to be on balance, etc.? So great stuff there. So thank you again, Michelle, for sharing your story and for taking the time to give us your insights. Really appreciate it. And a big thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, it would be lovely if you could take a few seconds to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcasting platform you're using. Hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating and or a review. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. Mm -hmm.